Hi, I'm Michael Sunoff, founder and CEO of HardToFindSeminars.com. For the last five years, I've interviewed the world's best business and marketing minds. Along the way, I've created a successful publishing business, all from home, from my two-car garage. When my first child was born, he was very sick, and it was then that I knew I had to have a business that I could operate from home. Now my challenge is to build the world's largest free resource for online downloadable MP3 audio business interviews. I knew I needed a site that contained strategies, solutions, and inside angles to help you live better, to save and make more money, to stay healthier, and to get more out of life. I've learned a lot in the last five years, and today I'm going to show you the skills you need to survive. You know, you talked about why is this a perfect business, and this is what I wanted to bring up. I believe that there's not many other businesses out there that you can say, hey, I want to have a pay increase of this much. I want to give myself a raise this much this year. By looking at one account, it's going to break you 800 and some odd dollars. If you want say, a $4,000 increase, you know that you need to go out and pick up five new accounts. Hi, it's Michael Sinoff with Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. Here's another hour interview. It's an interview to help you if you need to go out and make some fast cash. Is there such thing as a perfect business? Well, Kevin believes there is, and in this conversation, he's going to tell us what it is and why it's a perfect business. He also will give plenty of tips and resources to start up your perfect business at a low cost and to earn high profits. So what is this perfect business? According Kevin, the perfect business is starting your own small lawn care business. All you need to start is a lawnmower and a weed eater. Kevin explains how to get your first account simply by going around, knocking on doors, and introducing yourself and your service. Kevin discusses some of the best upsells that you can offer to your clients, how to pitch the clients, how often to do the job, how to do the job, and what to charge for. You're going to hear about services that you can offer, any one of them, you can make an individualized, money-making, cash-producing business starting tomorrow. And we're going to cover gutter cleaning, mulching, hedge trimming, leaf removal, and soil aeration. We'll talk about some marketing techniques like upsells, joint ventures, how to obtain referrals, and how to earn immediate income. In the next hour, you're going to learn more about the lawn care business than you probably have ever before. And I hope it gives you the confidence and the ability to walk out your door and knock on some doors or mail a postcard or make some phone calls and start earning money cutting yards. So let's get ready and go. The purpose of this recording here is to show the listener here how he can go out and within 24 hours go start generating cash income in his hand by providing the service to homes in, in a neighborhood or any area that needs the service. Now, you call it the perfect business. Why do you say cutting yards or the lawn care business is the perfect business? I believe it's the perfect business because, number one, there's very low capital that you need to get into this business. Anyone with a mower, you got to have the mower got to have a weed eater, but you don't have to have a blower. You can use a broom for the time being. Blower really increases the speed, but you don't need it. And basically, that's all you need to get into this business. Now, what if I don't have even money to go out there and buy a $100, $200 mower? What would you suggest I do? If you didn't have the money to buy a mower, I would probably suggest you could borrow one from a neighbor. You could also, once you establish your accounts, tell your customers that you're going to set them up, say, hey, next Wednesday, hopefully you can get three or four lines. You know, you're charging $35, $40 a yard. Get those yards and go to Home Depot, rent a mower for the day. It'll cost you 35 40 bucks, maybe more than that by now, maybe 50 Try to schedule all your yards the first time on the same day, and that way, once you profit maybe $100 that first time, Go look at the paper, get your used mower. If you can't find one in the paper, you go to a pawn shop and get one, I know. Did you ever find accounts where they already own the mower, but you could still provide the service where you could use their mower and all you needed was maybe some gasoline? I did. That was the case with several customers. They could have worked. And most customers will have a mower. Their health has declined or they have decided they don't want to do this in the heat anymore for whatever reason. But you can, you can buy customers like that. With me, I always had my own equipment, 
it wasn't something that I needed to take on at that time. But a lot of customers, you use their equipment, a lot of times they expect you to do the yard for a lot less than what you normally would. If it's something that you have to do, then that's definitely an option. Give me an idea. Back when you were 12 and 13, 14, or 15 years old, just starting this, I'm sure you can remember a day where you made X amount of money. Can you think of some times where you just had a great day? And this is when you were a one-man operation. What kind of money were you making back then, Cash? I believe probably at 12, I was making 75 to $80. That was 20 years ago. Yeah, that was back in 1982. Well, I remember when I was a kid, and I did ones in my neighborhood as well. I remember, I mean, I would charge $7, $5, $10, maybe $15. But I can't remember ever charging any more than that, and that was 25 years ago. That's about right. My yards were priced, I think 15 was the least expensive, and then I had them 25 somewhere 20 that was a long, long day for that for that $80, but times have changed. And back then when I was 12, you didn't see the fancy outfits and did a run around the streets today. But there's still so much money out there for everybody. Everybody sees all these big people and, and these big trailers, but there's enough business out there for everybody. I don't think that any signs to say, hey, these people have more than I have or these people are much bigger than me because there's a lot of customers out there that will deal with small-time people starting out because when I have a service that needs to be done to my house, I'd rather deal with people that are small businesses than a bigger company. Why is that? Because I do own my own business. I think I like to see a small business succeed. I like to know that I'm talking to the owner or the owner's maybe one step away or one step up from who's actually doing my work. And plus, you're putting money back into the community, I think. You're paying a small company to do your work. I mean, I think that that's just much better for the economy. Now, back then when you were getting started and you were making 85 bucks a day, maybe 25 years ago, did you have business cards? Were you a sophisticated business? What did you need to go get an account back then? What I did was basically just walk around and knock on doors. An idea that I still promote to people is that when you get accounts in certain areas, Work that area and try to get as many lawns and accounts as you can. That way you reduce your drive time. But back then, no, I didn't have business cards. We had flyers, some very unsophisticated flyers, basically just canvassed the neighborhoods because I was only able to walk to where I could do the yards. Yeah, and what would you say when you knocked on the door? I'd say, hi, my name is Kevin. I live right around the corner, and I do the yard down the street from you four houses down, just curious if you need someone to cut your grass or, or you need any other services around your house. So you don't have to be a sophisticated salesman to do this. This isn't a hard sell, is it? No, it's not. It's not a hard sell at all. And what you'll find also is a lot of those people will say, no, we don't need it. My husband does it. But when we go on vacation, we'd love to have you. You can think about how many people go on vacation in your neighborhood. I mean, a lot of times they need that service, but it's not promoted. Let's say they needed your service. What would they usually say then? How much is it? They would say, how much is it? And how do you price up a yard? Some yards are bigger than others. Could you tell how long it would take you to knock out a yard by just looking at it? I can. I mean, that comes from experience. We're just talking today's prices now in 2006, 2007, what you would do today, because now you've got a lot more confidence, and you know that the market will pay more than $7 a yard back then 25 years ago. You just didn't have the experience or the confidence. So what would you charge today if you were telling someone to get out there and go make some money cutting yards? And how would you size up the price and the time it's going to take? I think it depends on what equipment you're running for one and how much you're looking to make an hour. Well, let, let's do this. Let's keep it simple for the guy who's going to go rent a lawnmower or is going to borrow a lawnmower, and he's just going to stick to the basics because he needs to make some quick money. So let's just say basics, cutting the yard with just the lawnmower, maybe an edge or in a broom. Well, I would say just starting out the size of the yard Ask some neighbors and ask some friends, hey, how long does it take to cut grass? Get an idea of how long it takes them to cut their grass with a 21-inch mower, and that way they'll have an idea of how long it's going to take to cut a yard that they run across of similar size. Obviously, you can make more when you have bigger and larger equipment, but I would say at least try to start out at 30 to $35 per hour. That's based on 
how much drive time is involved. When I was cutting, I was averaging about a dollar a minute. That didn't include drive time. The yards that took me 30 minutes, I was getting $30 for it. Forty dollars, forty minutes. That's everything. That's cutting the grass, edging, blowing, cleaning it up, making it look good. It averaged about a dollar a minute. Now, how would you get paid? Would you ask for money up front, or would you wait until the job's done? Usually, I, I collect everything when the job's done. If they're at home, I get a check from them. If they're not at home, what I'll do is leave an envelope in the mailbox with my address on it. I don't put a stamp on it. I figure they can do that. And most of the time, they will drop a check in the mail after them. I never ran around hunting down customers and went back to their house to collect checks. That was uh, time-consuming. And the majority of your customers are not going to are not going to try to rip you off. Most people are honest. Exactly. There are some, you know, that will be late payers, but bug them is what I say. They'll eventually pay you. So, or you, or you, once you get on a, an established relationship with them. You can have them leave a check on the back door if they know that you're coming a certain day. Most of my yards were like that, too. I would come on a Thursday. I'd say, hey, just leave the check on the back door on Thursday. Well, if they missed a week, they forgot to leave it out that week, I'd just say, could you add it to the next week? And they would leave the check real easy, take it off the door. All right, let's distinguish something for the listener because I think this is really important to understand. This isn't like a one-time sale. This isn't knock on the door do a yard, and then you got to go find another customer. This, would you say, most of your customers were repeat businesses. It's just like when you get your hair cut. Every time your hair grows, you got to go get it cut. Same thing. The grass isn't going to stop growing. It may slow down in the winter, but once you get an account for 35 bucks, how often are you doing a yard, would you say? What's the average? Every two weeks? No, it's actually once a week. Once a week? It depends on the time of year, but... But I try to get all my accounts on a once-a-week basis. The grass grows that fast. Yeah, and I'm in the south. In other areas, it may not grow as fast. You're talking a job four times a month. An account's going to pay you, let's say, the yard. Let's say you charge 35 bucks for a small yard and it takes you about an hour. You're going to get that 35 bucks consistently four times a month and month after month after month as long as you keep that account, correct? That's correct. Average is about 24 cuttings a year. So let's look at that. One account at 35 bucks times, what's the average cutting per year? Uh, 24 times. 24 times? That one account at the end of the year is about $840 if we do the average 24 times a year. So every time you get an account, you can just project by the end of the year that one account is worth $840 to you. Absolutely. You know, you talked about Wines is a Perfect Business, and this is what I wanted to bring up. I believe that there's not many other businesses out there that you can say, hey, I want to have a pay increase of this much. I want to give myself a raise this much this year. By looking at one account, it's going to break you 800 and some odd dollars. If you want a $5,000 increase or say a $4,000 increase, you know that you need to go out and pick up five new accounts. That's a $4,000 added on to your income. Now, you say here in your system, your course, how much can you earn? And you have here, you could earn possibly ten to 60000 your first year, and then a hundred to 250000 after a few years. You're saying that's not an unrealistic number as long as you're willing to commit. Is that true? Oh, that's true. You know people who make a lot more than that in the business? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I know guys that are running five and six trucks. They do a lot of commercial property. They're big in Memphis. That's not uncommon. I mean, $100,000 is not uncommon in this business. What a lot of people fail to do when they get their lawn accounts, they don't work their core accounts. They keep continuing to pick up lawn after lawn after lawn. And when you try to do that and you spread yourself really thin across all your customers, you're not pulling the most money out of all those customers that you can. You've got mulch, you've got hedge trimming, seed cutting, gutter cleaning, leaf removal. So that's what you want to do. You want to try to suck that money out of those customers. So what you're saying is you get in the door doing a simple lawn, and you can stay focused on lawn, but you're missing the boat unless you're not upselling other services that you can do and add on to the cost of your lawn service uh, while you're there. 100% correct. So let's talk about as one's business grows, what other important piece of equipment would they need to be able to provide the jobs and services 
for upsells and what are some of the easiest upsells or other services you can sell a lawn care customer while you're there what, based on your experience over the years. The easiest, quickest money because you're in this business and you're working for time. So obviously you want to pick the things that bring the most money for the least amount of time that are easiest for you, right? What have you found those to be? There's two that I would recommend. Number one, if you're going after the most money, it's gutter cleaning. Gutter cleaning, a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there that undercharge, way, way undercharge for gutter cleaning. Tell me what do you think is undercharge price and what one should be charging for it based on your experience. I've heard of people charging 35 and 40 to $50 for gutter cleaning, which, in my opinion, is not worth you risking your neck to clean gutters for $50. It does depend on the town you're in, but I think if you're in a bigger town like Memphis or a Louisville, Kentucky or a Atlanta, you can get... For a two-story, 2,400-square-foot house, 150 $175, $200. You know, about a dollar a foot is really what the going rate should be. Wow, that's incredible. Man, I'm laughing because I used to clean my gutters, and I used to clean the neighbor's gutters across the street. And I'd probably do it for $15. Now, let's talk about that. Gutter cleaning can bring you a higher dollar-per-hour fee because of the inherent risk. To clean those gutters, the only way is getting a ladder going up on the roof and laying down on the roof and using your hands to pull all that stuff out of the gutter, correct? Right, or you could walk the roof with a backpack blower, provided it's not. You know, there's little tricks and tips that you could use, and then you could, you know, slip-resistant shoes when you walk the roofs, but there's also things you can put on your ladders to make you a lot more stable. You should never put a ladder up against the gutter. Number one, it's very unsafe. If the bottom part of it is not level, that ladder can just slide right off the gutter. Number two, which is another very important reason why you shouldn't do that, is it damages the customer's gutters. If they have aluminum gutters up there, that ladder can damage those customer's gutters. You don't want that. It's unprofessional. So what you need is a stabilizer bar on all extension ladders. And you can pick those things up for $20 at Home Depot. So to clean gutters, you're going to need a ladder, right? You'll need a ladder. I'd say a 28-foot extension ladder is a good one to start with. Can you rent those? Sure. I believe Home Depot, you can rent those also. You can get them at other rental houses that rent equipment. Did you find most of your homes had extension ladders or no? They did not. You know, to invest in a 28-foot extension ladder, I think you're looking at $150 maybe, maybe a little less now. But, no, most people didn't have it. They couldn't comprehend spending that kind of money and risking getting hurt doing that. How would you do your gutters most of the time? Would you use the blower and, and or would you do it by hand? It's about 50-50. Most of the roofs I could walk, but a lot of times I don't really recommend this unless you're very comfortable with it. I make all the debris we're dry in the gutters. So I, I took the backpack blower up a 28-foot extension ladder strap. Standing on the ladder, I'd blow the debris out, left side and then right side. So you'd go up and down the ladder rather than walk the roof? If I could not walk the roof, that's what I would do. Would you inspect the gutters before you decided whether you were going to do the job and how much you quoted to make sure the stuff was dry, how much stuff was in there, etc.? I never inspected it. I just gave them a price based on those gutters being completely full. And there were times I'd get out the gutter jobs, and they would not have a lot in them. So they were pretty easy jobs? They were really easy jobs. And there's other times where I'd come out to a job, and depending on the type of roof, the amount of silt that comes off that roof can be quite a bit. When those little grainy pebbles from the shingles came in, it will compact. And what I use to uncompact that is an eight-foot-long stick. It's I think it's a one-inch by two-inch by eight-foot-long stick in their Home Depot. And I would just break up that sand and that silt from the shingles. And then that's when my backpack blower would basically come in and blow that stuff completely out of the gutters. So do you blow all that stuff out of the gutters, let it fall down, and then do the yard? I would do that, but, you know, I had a lot of accounts where they just wanted gutters cleaned. I mean, the husband enjoyed cutting the grass. You don't bag the stuff, you just get it out of the gutters and that's it? When you blow that stuff out of the gutters, it spreads out quite a bit. You want to go around the house and blow off the porch and blow off, blow out some of the flower beds and get it off the brick borders and get it off the window sills. Make it look good. You never bagged all the stuff that came off the roof unless it was really wet and clumpy. Right. It's wet and clumpy and it's been raining for a while and these customers need it done because it's blowing into the house. Then you're going to have to get out there. But when I did that, I was up on the ladder and I would take the stuff out and throw it down on the ground in one spot. You don't want to really carry a five-gallon bucket up there 
because it gets heavy. But you throw it down on one spot in the lawn, then you pick it up after you're done. Okay, so that one $35 job can turn into an extra 150 right there with an upsell selling a gutter service. Right. Most of the houses that I was working on, I would say the prices were 125000 up to half a million, three-quarters of Which when you get up to half a million, three-quarter million dollar home, and you're looking at those being in the 4,000 square foot range. You can charge two seventy five, three fifty, four hundred and twenty five. I remember one house I charged thirteen hundred dollars for. Could you the gutters? I cleaned the gutters out for thirteen hundred dollars because it had leaf guards on it. And when the leaf guards are on the gutters it takes up a lot more time. Do the leaf guards really keep all this stuff out or no? You still have to get the gritty stuff. You do. There's some roofs though that after three years they don't really shed a lot of grit and you know, once you get that out, you can still, even with leaf guards on, you can still, if it's not compacted, you can take your blower and blow through the leaf guards. Leaf guards work depending on the kind of trees that you have and depending on the kind of leaf guards that you have. So you kind of have to analyze that. And if the leaf guards are screwed into the gutters and the stuff is still compacted in there and wet and you've actually got to take the leaf guards off to get the stuff out because you can't blow it out, that's when it comes in the major time. It's not like that I wanted to go out and charge her $1,300. But it's very time-consuming, yeah. I think the job actually took me almost two days. 600 bucks a day, though. Right, and basically with no gas involved and stuff, except for my backpack blower. It's just like gutter cleaning is a big, big business that's overlooked. I averaged probably about 80 to $100 an hour in gutters. How many times a year does that need to be done? It depends on the home. It depends on how many trees the neighbors have. It depends on how many trees you have and what kind of trees you have. There are certain trees that will shed on certain times of year, so it's tough to say, but I would say minimum probably twice a year. When you're pitching a gutter service, what do you tell the customer why they need their gutters clean? And if they don't clean them, what are some of the repercussions that could happen? First of all, if you don't clean your gutters, Number one, depending on the kind of gutters you have, there's aluminum and there's galvanized. Galvanized is metal. It will rust. Aluminum will never rust the property of that metal. If they keep debris long term in their gutters that holds moisture, it's going to eventually rot those gutters out if they have galvanized. Can you tell if it's galvanized or aluminum by looking at them? I can just because I've had experience with them. The, the average person, after they've looked at two or three of them, they'll be able to tell. Are they still putting up galvanized gutters? They are here in the south. It depends on your contractors. Some contractors go with aluminum and some go with galvanized. It just depends on what they want to use. You can rock galvanized gutters out. Number two, if you have a lot of debris in there and then it rains and then it's cold outside and it freezes, it adds weight to the gutters. It can actually start to pull the gutters away from the house. It will unloosen the screws. It will make the nails come loose from the fascia board. And also, when your gutters are full, the water overflows, and it hits that fascia board, the wood that it's attached to, and can actually start causing that fascia board to rot. If you have siding on it, then it goes behind that siding and holds water and moisture back there behind on the fascia board, which can basically cause that to rot. Not to mention, if the water is running over the gutters and, and runs down and collects down by the base of the house, moisture is termites, bug infestation. They love moisture. And that's where they come to. So you want to keep that moisture off the foundation and out of the gutters away from the house. What are some other easy, natural upsells, like, for example, the gutter cleaning service that you can offer one of your existing lawn care customers? I think another good upsell is, once again, doesn't really require any equipment as mulch. What is mulch? Explain that. Mulch goes in the flower beds. It keeps the uh, plants healthy. And it basically adds to the look of the house. You can make probably, I believe it's 40 to $60, to, once again, depending on the location, but 40 to $60 a yard. And basically, a yard is measured in cubic feet. It's, imagine a cube and sitting in front of you that's three feet wide, three feet, and three feet long. That is a yard of mulch. Uh, it covers 162 square feet when it's spread out two inches deep. But that's another good upsell that takes no equipment, 
A lot of people need that service. And once again, that's a service that you can always ask other people for that you're not even doing along. Give me an example. Let's say you're standing in front of my house or you're looking at homes. How do you analyze the home, whether I'm going to be a good prospect for mulch? And then once you've analyzed that I am, what are you going to tell me while you're looking at me? How are you going to sell me this service and tell me why I need it and what are some of the benefits of it? Usually mulch needs to be done at least once a year. A lot of people do it twice. It takes the plants. It's a good upsell because it makes your property look better. It makes everything come together in the home. Being spread correctly is one of the key things uh, with mulch. And a lot of people spread it too deep, and so it only needs to be two inch spread it. Where is a good place for the mulch to be placed? The homes you offer the mulch service, do they have any mulch at all currently? Uh, most houses. Right, they have mulch. You don't want to put it too close to the plants, though, because uh, you want to keep about an inch and a half away from the plants because you push that mulch up too close to the root, to the base of that plant, to the root of the plants, that can cause root rot. Also, when you're doing flower beds and mulch, you want to keep that mulch about five inches away from the brick of the house because, of once again, anything that holds moisture is subject to termite infestation or whatever type of other insect infestation, so you want to keep that away from the house. Once again, though, mulch holds water, it holds moisture for the plants, and it also protects the plants during really hot times of year. It keeps it cool in the summer and warm in the winter. How are you going to offer me the mulch service, and what are you going to charge me? Can you give me an idea? The mulch is usually charged on a yard basis. And a lot of times, if you're new, it can be kind of tricky. I would suggest getting a measuring wheel. And once again, you can get that at Home Depot or Lowe's. And do the length times the width. Describe what a measuring wheel is. A measuring wheel is basically, it's got a wheel on the bottom with a handle. You will set it to zero. You roll it across the ground, across the concrete. A lot of contractors use it to measure distance. I think you can pick one up at, for, at Home Depot for $25. You can probably get it on eBay, but... As that wheel is going around, it clocks the distance of how many feet it's gone. If you're in front of a house and you roll this measuring wheel across a flower bed, it's going to tell you how long this is. And then when you measure the width, you just multiply that. So if you have a 60-foot flower bed that thing's 5 feet wide, then you're looking at 300 square feet. So basically, you know that a yard of mulch spread 2 inches deep will cover 162 square feet. You know that you're going to need a little bit less than two yards, but you can only, you buy by the yard, so you'll have to buy two yards. So when you buy this stuff, do you go out and buy it and put it in your truck, or can you have it delivered to the home? You can have it delivered to a home. Usually they have a three-yard minimum with no delivery charge. Sometimes they have a delivery charge, and the delivery charge is waived if you order a certain amount of mulch. You can get brown and black mulch. All that black mulch is is just brown mulch with dye added. Black mulch to me looks a lot more professional. The only thing is if you have pets, they're going to be around and run through your flower beds. You may not want to have black mulch for your customers because those pets can track in that mulch and there's a possibility it could stain the carpet. I'm not saying that it will. It's just a possibility. It seems to hold color a lot better. Okay, and tell me how much could I profit on each yard of mulch? Depending on the volume that you order in mulch and where you get it from, I believe that I was paying $13 a yard per mulch and spread it by hand. Are you going to charge? I'm going to charge about 60 Okay, and that includes $47 profit, and I'm going to spread that yard of mulch probably within 35 minutes. Doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. Where do you have them dump the mulch if they're delivering it? Is it dumped directly on the yard, on the driveway? Do you put something down before they dump it? What's the procedure? You know, in the past, I had them dump it on the driveway. I would not recommend that, depending on the size truck they're bringing, because if the truck backs up and it's loaded down, if you've got a, several other stops on his truck, it comes in your customer's driveway, it could crack the driveway, and you're going to be held responsible for it. What I would prefer doing, if you're not in a cove and you can't dump it in the street, which is against ordinance in a lot of cities, you want to actually put a tarp down, a pretty good heavy-duty tarp on the grass, and have them dump that mulch on that tarp. And make sure you don't leave that tarp and that mulch there for an extended period of time because it's going to kill the grass. Ideally, you want to get that mulch dumped 
and the next day or the same day have that mulch spread and take that tarp up. I used to dump it directly in the grass, but then you have to worry about blowing the mulch up into a pile, and it's just so much easier when it's on a tarp. You pick up one end of the tarp, and all the leftover mulch is coming down to the center. All right, that sounds pretty good. If you're there cutting the yard, when you're done, if the customer's there, you're going to either call them or upsell them and schedule that for another time. Is that correct? Absolutely. And you know you spoke about not having money to get in the business. If you want to do mulch until you get your feet on the ground, that's a viable option. There's a lot of business out there for that, too. Okay, great. All right, let's do another one. These are great because these are all independent businesses in itself that are all being generated from getting in the door with a simple yard service, just cutting the lawn. What's another one that you found it doesn't take a lot of time, it's pretty easy, and you can make a lot of money, another upsell that comes directly from cutting a yard? I think hedge trimming. Hedge trimming is a good one. You'll need your hedge trim probably two to three times a year. A lot of people hate hedge trimming. A lot of people will cut their own grass but just despise hedge trimming. That's something that, that you can charge for. Hedge trimming is trimming the bushes and shaping the bushes, right? Shaping the bushes, trimming the bushes. Before you ever start trimming, you need to ask your customer how he wants his bushes shaped. Some people don't care. Some people say, I want them oval. Some people would like them squared off. It probably depends on the structure of the house. If I was left up to how I'm going to trim these hedges myself, depends on how the structure of the house is made. I mean, if it's a more curvy-looking house, then I'm going to put these bushes in oval. So this is no different than giving the bushes a haircut, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's all it is. And what kind of equipment do I need for that? If I wanted to focus just as a specialist doing hedge trimming, what kind of equipment do I need and what's it going to cost me if I wanted to buy it or what could I rent it for? You'll need some gas handheld hedge trimmers. If you want to start out, though, with electric, that's just fine, too. But make sure they're double-bladed or double-sided. I've seen hedge trimmers out there that just have blades on one side, and those aren't efficient because you'll do one pass and you'll have to come back and start at the same spot that you began at to make another pass. So if you have a double-sided hedge trimmer, you, you use it in a, in a swooping pattern that can cut back and forth. So handheld hedge trimmers or electric hedge trimmers, which are fine, too, I guess, to start out with. Then you'll need probably some pole hedge trimmers, which are for big, big trees or big bushes, big shrubs. They have a pole on them, probably about six feet. And they can be extended out, and the blades of the hedge trimmers can be put at a 90-degree angle up to a 180-degree angle, which is basically even with the pole. If you're trying to get back in certain areas behind bushes, you want to set that at, I'd say, a 45-degree angle to get the right kind of cut. That's really all you, you know. If you want to start out with handheld hedge trimmers, just regular clippers, you could do that, too. It would take a lot longer if money's a problem for you to begin with, that's always an option. And now, what are you going to charge for a yard? Hey, give me an idea of your thinking for charging for the hedge trimming services. I think for hedge trimming, ask yourself how much you want to make an hour. I think with hedge trimming, once again, I, I believe that you know $35 an hour is fair. If you're just starting out, I mean, obviously, I've been doing a lot longer. My charge is the same as cutting grass. You can charge more when you got better equipment. You can make more because you're more efficient. Exactly. You can get the job done a lot faster. So when you tell your customers, hey, I'm charging a dollar a minute, some of them may be thrown back. But you got to look at what kind of equipment you're running. Because you're running equipment that's twice as efficient as what somebody else is running. It doesn't take long to trim, but what about the cleanup? Now, are you raking and piling and bagging and, and removing all the debris on that type job? You are. You are. After you get done trimming... What some people have done is they'll put uh, tarps down. They'll put tarps around the base of the bush, or the bushes, if it's a big bush. That way it'll collect the, the small branches off the tree or off the shrubs. What you want to make sure, though, is when you get done trimming the shrubs, you want to take a rake and rake the top of the shrubs and hit the top of the shrubs and the sides of the shrubs and rake the sides and the top to get all the dead debris off the shrubs because if you don't, if you trim them and leave it there, that debris is just going to die, and it's going to be resting in the bushes. You know, that's not going to look very professional. But you want to make sure that you can get all the loose debris off that you can. Okay, so hedge trimming can go pretty quick as well. Hedge trimming can go quick. That's a great upsell right there. What's another service that you've 
of Seoul that all came originally from your lawn cutting service that was profitable and easy to do? Leaf removal. Now let's talk about that. Leaf removal, I wouldn't say it's the easiest thing. It's not hard, but it's very time-consuming. You've got to know how to price leaf removal jobs. And once again, that's something, you know, I get asked that question so much. How do I price a leaf removal job? You know, I wish I had the answer to that. It depends on everything. I mean, it depends on a lot of things. It depends on how thick the leaves are. It depends on how wet the leaves are. It depends on the last time they had their leaves done. You want to check the corners and fences. You want to check where the leaves stop blowing. You want to check the depth of the leaves there. And so these leaves have to be bagged and totally removed off the property. Sometimes customers will let you bag the leaves and, and put them at their curb. Sometimes they insist that the leaves get taken off. The leaves get taken off. You're going to have to find a place to dump the leaves, and you always charge them more when you have to haul leaves away. And how often is a leaf removal job going to be done? Once again, it depends on their yard and their trees, the neighbor's yards and the trees, because obviously if their neighbors aren't doing their leaves, then they're going to blow over to your yard. So that's something that you kind of have to monitor. Leaf removal, I would say, if you're just doing it, not on a weekly basis, I would say probably three, four times a year with someone that has a fair number of trees, I think that would be enough. But a lot of people do leaves on a weekly basis. They will charge maybe two times what they would charge to cut the grass. If you're doing the grass for 35, a leaf removal job every week is going to be 70. And what a lot of people make the mistake of doing is that they blow those leaves out of those flower beds every time they do a leaf removal job. You need to explain to your customer that that's not good for those shrubs. That's what those leaves do when they're bunched up around those shrubs. They actually protect the shrubs. And, and when you're putting air against those shrubs, it's not healthy for them. So you want to leave the leaves there? Yeah, you want to leave the leaves in. If you want to blow it out close to the end of the season, that's fine. A lot of people are real meticulous about not wanting leaves in their flower beds. You don't want to leave a ton of leaves in there, but you want to leave leaves, I think, in the flower bed to protect the bushes. I remember when I was doing leaf removal, I would charge maybe $250 a time, $300 a time. Yeah, a lot of people want to charge for that, too. Yeah, a lot of people can get a lot more money than what they think they can get for their job. You want to make sure that if you don't know what to charge, I would recommend just charging by the hour. You're going to underestimate leaf removal jobs, and most of the time it's going to take you quite a bit longer than you anticipated. Okay, let's do one more. Give me another service that's easy to do and great money that has resulted from just cutting the yard. I would say aeration. Describe what aeration is and what are the benefits of it for the homeowner. Okay, what aeration does is it pulls holes out of the ground, and it basically supplies air to the ground and allows moisture to get inside the roots of the grass much better, and what that's going to result to is a much healthier lawn, a thicker lawn, and, you know, one good thing about aeration is you want to do aeration twice a year. This is not something that has to be done on a weekly basis, like your grass cutting. You can schedule all your aeration jobs in one day and go to a rental place and rent an aerator for $75 to $100 a day. And an aeration job should bring you, I'd say, minimum $75 because there's not a lot of people out there doing it. I know the big commercial spray businesses will do it, like your True Greens, Scott's. They're big into aeration. But a lot of people don't know the advantage of aeration and what it can do for their lawn. And that's something that could be a good upsell and something that you don't have to go out and buy one for when you can rent one and schedule six or seven jobs in one day, and you can make $700 or whatnot on one day, pay $100 for your aerator. I want to interject on the idea I had. If someone's out there doing this and they don't want to mess with aeration, they don't want to go buy the equipment, you being at the home, you could partner with someone in the aeration business and sell the job to them and take a piece of the action. Absolutely. And then that goes not just for aeration, but for any of these other services. Have you done that before? I've done that in other areas. I've done that with mulch, actually. It's funny you brought that up. There's companies out there, and you might have seen these. It's a big semi-truck, and they blow mulch. 
they have a hose and it blows mulch out of the truck. So they're able to blow mulch at high speed. I think they're minimum five yards of mulch, but they can do five yards of mulch in like an hour. If you're a lawn care company, they will contract with you and say, our normal price is, you know, 38 to $40, but we'll do it for you for 26 or 27 So you're making $14 a yard, and you don't even have to do anything except just say, hey, this house needs six yards of mulch. Go over there and do that job, and then you can collect a check for $100. You could do the same thing with the gutter cleaning service. You could. You could. You just want to be careful about gutter cleaning because if you contract someone that you want to be sure that their insurance is in place, that's one thing that someone can get pretty bad hurt on if they don't know what they're doing. So I would be careful about hiring someone that's going to be on a ladder. So let me ask you this. Uh, let's say I'm starting up. I don't have insurance. I need to go make some quick cash. I mean, have you ever had a customer ask you for your insurance papers, a residential one? One time. This is unbelievable. It was the very first yard I had ever given a quote on after I started driving. He was the only one that had ever asked me if I had insurance. Other than that, no one ever asked if I was insured. So if someone wants to go out and make quick money, don't let having insurance be something that gets in the way. It may be a good idea, but it's not going to stop you from earning money. Is that correct? No, it's not going to stop you from earning. If someone doesn't have insurance, I would recommend that they don't let kids play around them while they're working. I know with one situation I had, I had a rock that was thrown at busted customer's window, and I'm just happy that the kids weren't out playing in the yard at that time. That's the only thing. If someone doesn't have it, I mean, I would just recommend that everything's out of the yard that they can visibly see and that no kids are out playing. We've covered a lot of ideas here, Kevin, on all the potential jobs that you can charge a residential client once you get in the door for cutting their grass. The important thing is getting that first account for a simple job like cutting the yard and building a relationship with them and then adding on all these services for more profits and keeping in mind that these are reoccurring services that you can provide. And if you concentrate on an area and you treat your customers well and you work hard, you can make yourself a, a great living working on your own or with a couple people. It's something that you can start immediately as soon as today. Would you agree? I agree. I'd like to add, though, when you get in with these customers and you do a great job for them, whatever service you offer, you build that rapport with them and you build that trust with them. And so many other services that we haven't touched on that could be added. You know, if they're looking for painters and you know one that's good, trustworthy, you could recommend it to them. If you know a roofer, you could recommend a roofer to them. And you could get a percentage of that from the roofer or the painter. These customers, a lot of them rely on you, not just for the maintenance of their lawn, but when it comes to contractor work, a lot of people have asked me, you know, hey, who can I get to do this or where can I find this? They trust you, and it's your job to, to keep that strong relationship with them going and always maintain integrity. Don't ever hire somebody just because you're getting ready to make a dollar. If you don't trust these people and, and you haven't seen their work, don't hire them because it can kill your relationship with the customer. We've covered a lot of the different services that you can charge a homeowner. But there's a lot of stuff we haven't talked about as far as getting the client. And you've put together an entire system that will show someone who wants to get in the lawn care business how to do this based on your how many years of experience? Over 18. What made you decide to put all your secrets and everything you've learned over the last 18 years into this system? Where did that idea come from? Well, number one, my love for the business. I have a passion for this business. I've had since I was 12 years old. Frankly, a lot of the books that are written, I've gone through them and I've read through them. They don't tell you as much as someone starting this business needs to know. It's a lot of generalizations. I want people to know the freedom that comes with this is just amazing. It's something that once someone experiences being an entrepreneur, if they have the drive and they have the desire to go out and keep a business going, it's something that brings true happiness to your life. You're never going to look back. Unless you're completely broke in life, you're never going to look back and say, I wish I would have worked more. 
You know, so it's just something that I enjoy. It's something I feel like I can give back to people. How long did it take you to put the system together? You know, it took a while. I'm kind of a perfectionist, and it took me probably the course of, I would say, a good four months to put this together because I would go back and add to it, and then I would find more information. I'd go back and add to it, and I'd be walking down the street one day, and I'd see somebody cutting, and an idea would come in my mind. I said, I need to go back and I need to go add this. I remember there's trade magazines that you can subscribe to give you a lot of information about this business. And I said, you know what, I need to round all my magazines up, get the addresses and the phone numbers, and I need to put that in my system. So uh, it was over the course of maybe four to five months because when I released the system, I wanted it to be right. I wanted it to be the best that it could be. And I'm always going back in, and I'm always adding new things to it. I'm looking at the table of contents for this system, and I'll read through a little bit of them. You've got the introduction, the perfect business, naming the business, which you talked about the importance of that, logo design, equipment, servicing, and we've talked about a lot of the different services you can offer and generate income from once you're in and have a trusted account. Equipment maintenance, which is very important if you're going to get serious in the business. How to buy used mower. Growing your business and the all-important advertising and marketing. You also have hours of audio recordings from some of the world's best experts on referral marketing, how to get referrals from your clients effortlessly. You've got one of the top pricing experts who describes how to price your products and services at a higher amount, which is going to give someone who takes your system the confidence to not undersell himself. When you price a job, you only have one shot to price it. And if you price it too low, you've underpriced yourself every time you go out and do that job. Absolutely. If your confidence is low and you price a job 50% under, you're losing 50% of that income every time you go out and do the work. Now, I've heard this recording from the pricing expert, and this is one of the easiest ways, if you're in an existing business, a service business, to start generating immediate income. And also, with the, your low-priced customers, usually these are the ones that give you the hardest time and are the biggest pains to deal with, so you'll be cutting out a lot of stress and hassle with your lower-priced customers, and generally the higher-priced customers are usually the nicest ones to work with. Have you found that to be true? I have found that to be the case. And also with pricing, you don't want to go in and undercut competition by much because you don't want to drive the market down. And price comes into factor sometimes. I don't believe it's the main reason that people choose somebody. I think a lot of it has to do with the relationship or the, or the rapport they build with something, someone right off the bat. That's not something that needs to be always the main focus. Well, you've also got hours of recording on a joint venture deal making, and we've talked a little bit about this, how if you go get the account and you, you're the trusted advisor providing the service for your uh, residential customer, how you can just be like, you know, the, the story Tom Sawyer? You know, Tom Sawyer, he didn't do anything. He had other people doing all the work for him. He just set up the deals. And as long as you're the guy who gets the account, you can set up all the deals. You can set the deals up with your mulcher, your leaf removal specialist. You can set up the deals with painting contractors, with stucco work, with roofers. There's many services that you can offer your trusted client, and you just have a list of trusted partners that you can farm these jobs out to, and you're going to have to do some work and make sure that they meet the criteria and that they're honest and that they do what they say they're going to do. That's going to be the hardest thing to do. But you could be selling multiple services to your accounts without even having to do the work. And I know you've got hours of audio covering this topic as well. And then the marketing section, you've got hours of audio recordings on how to market your service. And there's a step-by-step -step system that shows you how to position yourself in your community against other services. It'll show you how to stick out and be remembered by your potential clients. There's also audio on how to sell your services as well. But the referral marketing is something that I think any person in the service should really rely on. How much of your business 
do you find is uh, based on referrals once you start establishing yourself? I'd say about 30% would be based on referrals. Now, when you get in the neighborhood and you start doing work, whether that customer you're doing work for has given your name and number to a lady down the street, sometimes I don't know if that's the case, but people in neighborhoods talk, and if you're doing a good job for someone, a lot of times they will refer you or they'll see your work, and, and, and they will pass your name on to the neighbor. So I'd say that's what you want. You want those customers that come off referrals. Those customers that come off referrals have an idea of already what you're going to charge, and I believe any customer that comes off a referral, you can actually charge more for. Just the fact that you, you basically have already got a rapport with that new person because of the uptalk that your customer has already done for you. That's well stated. I would agree. You've also got a section here on money management, which you get into how to get professional help, use resources for Internet and websites if you really want to dig into the business when you get beyond just supporting yourself, starting out small, and you want to grow your business. And you have professional associations and publications directory that you offer for anyone really wanting to get serious and become even more efficient at the business. You also have professional lawn equipment manufacturers and supplies where you can buy your supplies at reduced prices and get the best equipment, which would leverage your time by getting through your jobs faster. And then you have a closing section on final thoughts. Well, I would encourage anyone listening to this to give Kevin's system a try. At the end of the description of this recording, there will be a link that you can go to and learn a little bit more about it. You can see the uh, pricing and the offer. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to say, Kevin, to anyone considering getting into this business to make some fast money? There is. I'd like to add a lot of people that are going into this, they come to me and say, how do I start? Uh, you know, I'm scared. and. I'm afraid that, you know, it's not going to work out or something's not going to go right. But, you know, you can't be afraid. good thing about it, this business, there's not a big investment. You can sell off everything that you bought and probably even your money out or maybe lose a little bit. But you got to take the step and you got to give it a shot. If you never give it a shot, you'll never try. But I'm telling you, this is not a hard business. This is a very easy, very lucrative business to do. My advice to you would be to just... Go for it and, and don't think twice about it. Let's do it. That's the end of this conversation with Kevin. I hope it's been helpful, and I hope it's given you some ideas and maybe the confidence to go out and try and start earning some money. If you're interested in Kevin's one-on-one -on -one consulting, you may contact me at 858 274-7851 or you can click on the link at the end of the description where you found this recording. I hope you have a great day. Enjoy.